you're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. This week on the podcast, we're going to be talking about Greg Locke's church being damaged by an act of God. Kenneth Copeland, he had some interesting stuff to say this time last year. Televangelist Joel Osteen getting somebody fired for calling him out. And Pastor Shane Vaughn officially picking out the Antichrist. Spoiler alert, it's COVID-19. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemail.com mailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hey, Owen, this is Peter from Georgia. I recently, during COVID, found out that one of the door people, she's a woman who works in my apartment, is Jehovah's Witness. I just, I find myself, she's a wonderful woman. I, I just find myself looking down on her and feeling that she's, might be, I don't know, I, I'm thinking of her as stupid. How do you view Jehovah's Witnesses now, their, their intellect, and, and act with one now that you are no longer a Jehovah's Witness? All right, have a nice day, man. Appreciate the phone call. That's an interesting question. Um, it is tempting to view religious people or Jehovah's Witnesses more specifically as dumb or fools who fell for the biggest ruse. In reality, they're really not. I was a Jehovah's Witness at one point in my life, and I'm not a fool. I don't consider myself a fool. Sometimes the smartest people find the most creative ways to justify ridiculous beliefs to themselves. I... Basically, chalk it all up to mind control, essentially. I I chalk it up to propaganda techniques that have been honed over centuries. That being said, they do look down on us, Jehovah's Witnesses do. I don't think it's wrong to wish that somebody could find their way out of a movement or religion or organization or whatever else. We should want to get them out, if at all possible. We should want to help them break free of the the bullshit that they've trapped themselves in. But I don't think they're inferior in any way. I just think they were duped, um, some of them from birth, like me. And they just need an event like I had that kind of snapped them out of it. Some people, that event will never come, and we just have to accept that. Some people... It's in the process of happening now. They're in the process of snapping out as we speak to them. We just have to afford everybody the courtesy of assuming that maybe they can kind of snap themselves out of it one day and realize that many of us were religious at one point, too, and we weren't idiots then and we're not idiots now. Uh, many of us aren't, anyways. <laughs> some, Statistically speaking, there are some idiots. Hey, Owen. So I was just wondering, and... I'll be honest, this isn't my idea, but um, I saw a video on YouTube a while ago about the idea that Christian music is like white magic that brainwashes people into subservience. I was just wondering what your idea on that would be. Anyway, love your show. Um, Keep doing your work. I've heard a lot of conspiracy theories about music and frequencies altering the way you think and subliminal messaging and all that other stuff. It's all nonsense, okay? 
In fact, I talked about a Big Nick video recently where Big Nick, this huge YouTuber, he's got like millions of followers, YouTuber and TikToker and, you know, every other social media type out there. He's got like millions and he's like giga religious. And he got on there and was talking about how if you play music at a certain frequency, like 440 hertz or something, I don't know what it is, then it'll take control of your mind or some other nonsense. And he says that's how Satanists do it. They play music at a certain number of hertz. It's just bullshit from beginning to end. It's bullshit. Stay away from secular music. A lot of this music is actually using frequencies to cause you harm. As we know, Satan was Lucifer in heaven and he was in charge of music. We have to understand that our spiritual enemy knows way more about music than we do. The Satanic Illuminati bloodline family called the Rockefeller family actually carried out a study on 440 hertz frequency. This programming frequency in music was shown to cause a lot of harm in people such as greater aggression psychological agitation and emotional distress a lot of big artists in the music industry are actually using this frequency to cause these problems in your life check out a very popular rapper named xxxtentacion talking about the same exact thing music is frequency program music is frequency what fre frequency are you being fed if i play with those frequencies right i can target certain parts of the mind but christians have this like deep-seated fear that like satan is using subliminal control to kind of pull people's strings and control them like puppets. It's nonsense. The subliminal messaging stuff doesn't work the way that a lot of people think it works. Like the neuro-linguistic programming stuff, NLP, a lot of, uh, for lack of a better term, scumbag armchair psychologists like to use NLP as like a method to control people or to get dates or whatever else. It doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. That's not how brainwashing works. That's not how mind control works. It's a complete misconception. And once you start looking into it, it, it becomes painfully obvious that that's the case. So anytime I hear somebody talking about like NLP or neuro-linguistic programming or, or music brainwashing people or, or whatever else, I hear Teal Swan talking about this all the time too. It's just nonsense. It's just cringy nonsense. Anyway, thanks for the uh, voicemail. Hey, what's up? This is Johnny from uh, South New Jersey. Uh, just curious uh, what, what is defined as transphobia. Uh, and I'm asking because someone asked me recently if I would ever date somebody who was trans. And I said, no, that's not my preference. And they went into a whole thing of that I'm transphobic and that's why I wouldn't do it. And, you know, my argument would be, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm into you know, certain, certain women. So if I don't date like a blonde, blonde hair, blue eyed woman, would I be against blonde hair, blue eyed women? Um, but they kept on saying that I was transphobic, that I would date somebody who was trans. And I kind of feel that's, uh, not the case. It's just not my preference. So, uh, just curious what your idea of transphobic would be. Love your show. Uh, keep it up. I appreciate that. Uh, first off, I have to say, society as a whole does not have enough respect for the trans community. It's blatantly obvious, and it's horrifying in a lot of ways. We need to have more respect for and recognize the trans community as the people that they are. That being said, um, 
your sexual preferences are your sexual preferences. You can't change or control that. It is what it is. We've already gone through this argument, like all through the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and 2000s, realizing that changing your sexual preferences or, or people attempting to force you to change them, that's wrong. However, the, a while back there was this super straight thing that came out where people were saying they're super straight, they don't believe in dating, you know, trans people, blah, blah, blah. In the same vein, putting aside whether or not I am super straight, like that's a totally separate issue. I may or may not be, I'm not addressing that, but if I were super straight and I decided to go out there and parade that around, it would be similar to me going into a Discord server with Jewish people in it and saying, you guys died in the Holocaust, for example. Saying something that's extremely pointed for absolutely no reason. What would the goal be behind doing something like that? Is it just for the sake of being edgy? I mean, I don't get it. It's not a joke in any way. It's not funny. It's not, I mean, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Saying something like that is just hurting people around you and nothing more. So when it comes to the super straight thing, whether or not you prefer to be with trans or non-trans, you don't have to parade it around and shove it in people's faces and be an offensive shithead about it, basically, is my point. Uh, your sexual preferences are, are your sexual preferences. Don't shove it down people's throats in the same way that, like, white nationalists do about, like, the Holocaust or whatever else. That's my take on it. Don't be a shithead. That's, that's my whole thing. That's what I'm all about from beginning to end. Don't be an asshole. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Greg Locke's church being damaged by an act of God. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. First story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Greg Locke. Now, as it turns out, a tornado rampaged through Kentucky, Tennessee area, and this guy's church just so happened to be in the way. There was a lot of tragedy that happened around this tornado. That is not amusing to me in any way, shape, or form. I am devastated by the fact that there were actually people hurt and there was a lot of property damage. But I do want to point something out. If I was a hate preacher like Greg Locke clearly is, and my church was struck by an act of God, I have to say, that might make me think. That might set something off in my brain for a second or two, you know? Am I doing the right thing? An act of God just tore my entire fucking church down. So what does this guy have to say about it? This is Greg Locke, mid-December 2021, on Facebook talking about the tragedy that took place to his church. Give it a listen. The tent didn't fare so well, and so our security was there. They've taken some pictures. My wife's been over there. For a little bit more context, his church is basically a circus tent. It's not a cheap one either. It's this gigantic tent that has, like, heavy canvas and everything. Big, beautiful, expensive 
circus tent. I'm not sure why he chose to go the circus tent route instead of building. It's probably a little bit cheaper, but honestly, this circus tent is real high quality stuff. I'm guessing the thing probably cost him forty to sixty thousand dollars. I'm guessing. I don't know that for a fact. Um, now he could get a building for forty or sixty grand, but it would be significantly smaller. Wouldn't be able to hold anywhere near as many people as the circus tent probably holds. So that's why he chose to use the circus tent. I'm guessing. Let's keep listening. Uh, some of our staff are already on the way. We have some men that help work on our tent that uh, are heading that way now to assess the situation. It blew down the entire right side, which you have to understand in a tent that large, the canvas is so heavy that what that did is then that pulled down the weight of the trussing and the stage. Of course, on the trussing was all of our speakers and our lighting and all of our gear and our rigging. So he didn't just lose the circus tent. Uh, that would probably be relatively easy to replace. He lost a lot of gear. He got all kinds of shit torn down, which, again, I, you know, I'm just glad that nobody was injured. I'm just glad nobody was injured. I don't want anybody hurt. I don't want anybody to die. Seriously, nobody. I don't want that. But, um, you know, maybe you should be taking this as a message, Greg Locke. Seriously, is there an act of God clause in your insurance policy? Somebody mentioned that last week then, when they were telling me about this story. This is a clear example of an act of God going awry. And for some reason, this doesn't seem to have clicked with this guy. It ripped through uh, the, the screens, the 18-foot screens that we have. The, the stage was pretty much destroyed. The backdrop, the drum kit, all of that. And so uh, I'm not sure of the situation with the chairs. We could only see so much. And I, I told my wife, get out of the tent. You know, don't obviously don't, don't stay in there because I don't, I don't want you to have a tent fall on you. Yeah, that would actually be really, really bad. Like I said, this isn't just a normal tent. This is a gigantic thing. Uh, it would not be good if this tent fell on anybody. So I'm glad nobody was hurt as far as we know. And for the record, his wife was in the tent rather than him because he's not actually there. He was at the Reawaken America conference, which I'll be talking about next week. It's basically this big QAnon-inspired conference with lots of QAnon-supported people like Michael Flynn and others. And, of course, Greg Locke. So Greg Locke was at the Reawaken America conference, and uh, that's why he's on his way back now, basically. So let's keep listening. I just left the Reawaken conference in Dallas, and I was walking up on the, on the bus. The bus is back there in the back. And I'm heading to John Schneider's right now to preach, and uh, I literally... We'll come in Sunday morning on two wheels at 10 a.m., 30 minutes before the service, just for a quick meet and greet time, and then get up and worship and preach to our people. I don't know uh, exactly what we're going to do, but God's going to make a way. Cause well, God's going to make a way. I find that so fascinating that he seems to think that God's going to make a way. You know, honestly, like I said, if I was this guy and I was such a controversial preacher— I would wonder if this was a message from God. You think God's going to make a way? Maybe God is the one that made this happen in the first place. Do you ever think of that? Maybe he doesn't want your church to exist. And this is his message to you. Stop doing what you're doing. And any attempts to reverse that is you going against the will of God. Did you ever think about that? You know, these hate preachers, like, 
Greg Locke, and others, lots of others, all came out and said, Trump is going to win. God told me. I know for a fact Trump's going to win. In fact, this is a prophecy that I'm giving you. Donald Trump is going to win the presidency in 2020. And here we are, 2021, Joe Biden won. He took office like 10, 11 months ago, somewhere in there. And these people somehow can't connect the dots that Joe Biden was the one that God apparently chose. They're saying that God picked Donald Trump as the president. Well, do you think maybe God picked Joe Biden as the president rather than Donald Trump? The guy had a golden statue made of himself. You think that's the one that God chose? I mean, these people prophesied that this is all in the hands of God. We don't even have to go out and vote. God will put the rightful person in. And the Lord, it was like, he's like I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time, I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. This is this is a, a, a moment of the ages. This will go down. This time period will go down as a before and after AD, you know, a, a, but BC, AD, the, depending on what terminology you use now. And here we are with Joe Biden as the president. How are you not connecting the dots on this? I mean, if I believed in God, which I don't, but if I did... I would start to think that God chose Joe Biden as president and that God really doesn't want Greg Locke preaching at his church. Uh, exactly what we're going to do, but God's going to make a way because we're going to, uh, going to have church. There, there's no doubt. We have to have a parking lot service. Like my wife said, we, we were doing this as a growing church before we ever got this mega tent. And so I, I think we'll be able to get things back up. It did rip through a massive portion of the tent. And so I don't know if we can sew it back together by Sunday or even if we can do it at all. I apologize for the poor quality. He's basically saying, I think we're going to have to have a parking lot service, which would work, you know. Um, don't know if we're going to be able to sew the tent back together at all, so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, you can just buy another tent. This guy is really, really wealthy and really, really high profile and famous as a preacher. He could just put a call out for money and it would come flooding in, which is effectively what's happening here. He's trying to call on people to donate money to him, pretty much, or donate hands, donate labor to him. So I'm sure he's going to be fine. But once again, I reiterate, um, this honestly seems like God's will to me. Just an outsider looking in just seems like something that God would approve of if a tornado ripped through your fucking church. Back in the day, before lightning rods existed, lightning used to strike the tallest building always. That's what lightning goes for. The shortest path into the ground, pretty much. So it would always hit the tallest buildings. And guess what? Guess which building was always the tallest in the most religious towns? The church. The church was always the biggest and most beautiful, most ornate. So basically, the smaller churches would see lightning striking the biggest church in town, and they would say, this is evidence that God doesn't stand behind that church. You should come to our church. And then they'd get a movement of members going over to the new church, and they'd get more money, more tithes from the new members, and then they would build on their church and make it even bigger until it was the biggest in town. And then guess what happens? Lightning strikes that building next time. I mean, it was like a series of messages from God 
that he didn't approve of this church or that because this act of God happened to that church, so on and so forth. The fascinating thing to me about this whole thing is the fact that they still use that exact reasoning today. That ridiculous act of God reasoning where something bad happens to something to somebody you don't like, and that is a sign that God disapproves of you or whatever you're doing. This is a video by Rick Scarborough. It's from 2015, so give this a listen. The AIDS epidemic was still being called GRIDS in 1992, and I had been researching that new epidemic because I believed as I do today. And rest assured, if I'm being monitored as I often am when I speak, this is the only thing they'll carry on the website, People for the American Way, from this speech. By the way, People from the American Way, that is what Right Wing Watch used to be. I believe Right Wing Watch split off from People for the American Way and created, like, a new separate entity and uh, continued to kind of track religious extremism and stuff. So that's who he's talking about when he says this, basically, Right Wing Watch. I believe that... Grids was God's judgment on a sinful generation. Remember, Grids is apparently what they used to call the AIDS epidemic. Actually, Grids stands for Gay-Related Immune Deficiency, or GRID, G-R-I-D. When it started, and before it was fully understood, it heavily affected the LGBT community. So hate preachers latched onto the GRID acronym and kept it, even after they realized it can affect straight people just as easily as anybody else. Even though it was abandoned by the scientific community, we can still see religious extremists using it to this day. He's saying here, AIDS was judgment, was God's judgment on a sinful generation. I mean, I don't apologize for that. Is it an unforgivable sin? Of course not. In fact, I believe God would probably give us the cure for AIDS today if we put our foot down and said, we no longer tolerate this. We're not going to fund it with health care. We're going to hold you accountable. I believe if we started repenting across this country, some sharp, probably Christian or Jewish researcher would find the AIDS cure. Because God's a God of grace, they may find it anyway. But you know what? Be not deceived. God isn't mocked. Whatever man sows, he's going to reap. Wow, dude. This guy is truly a, a deeply questionable person. Uh, I really don't even know what to say about this guy while remaining kind, so I'm not going to say anything at all. My point is that people have been claiming that this thing or that thing is an act of God because he doesn't like you for centuries, and they still do it. Even today, with all the science that we have and all of the information and the maps and just the fucking everything, cell phones and all that shit, the internet, they still believe nonsense like this. But somehow Greg Locke has found a way to justify it in his head, to sidestep the idea that maybe God doesn't like what he's saying. And he just keeps on keeping on. He keeps reversing what anybody else would say is a sign from God to stop. Let's take a look at the article by Hemant Mehta about this situation. Give this a read. This came out December 12th. It's on the Friendly Atheist website. The tornado that hit several states Friday night also did damage to the circus tent Global Vision Bible Church run by Christian hate preacher Greg Locke. It damaged the screens, the stage, the equipment, and more to the tune, he says, of about $100,000. It's 
Probably not that much, I'd be willing to bet, but it's probably going to be pretty expensive. This is uh, Hemant Mehta speaking again. It's not exactly surprising that a guy who refused to take precautions against a deadly virus also left his tent completely vulnerable to a natural disaster. I don't know. How do you fortify a circus tent against a tornado? I don't know. I don't know. Is there anything you could do? Maybe. Maybe there is. I guess you could take it down or, or kind of put a lot of the equipment in a root cellar or something, right? That would have been an okay precaution, I suppose. But no, no. I guess he thought God was protecting his stuff because he had his blessing. I wonder what he thinks about it now. This is Hemant Mehta again. Yet, after spending months trashing medical workers, banning face masks inside the tent, and screaming at the congregation to not get vaccinated, Locke wants sympathy after suffering a consequence that was outside his control. I would be much more inclined to give it to him if he didn't constantly use his platform to hurt other people and to put his own church members in harm's way. There's an argument to be made that the tornado saved lies by preventing Locke from preaching more COVID lies. Yeah, okay, I can accept that. That's an interesting perspective. Not that Locke's going to pass up an opportunity to look like a martyr. Last night, he posted about how he will definitely be preaching this morning. Here's a quote from Greg Locke's Facebook account. I'm about to preach in Louisiana and then make the long journey through the night to preach at Global Vision to the morning service, which of course is his church, Global Vision Bible Church. The 633 prayer gathering is still happening tonight and we need it more than ever. Why 633? Teams of people have literally been working since 4 a.m. this morning to prepare for service tomorrow. Yes, we are having church. I'm convinced God is going to move mightily. It seems to me like maybe he did move mightily and that's why you're in this situation. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying. Maybe knock that one around the old noodle for a minute. Everyone get there and support your church during this strange and difficult transition. We will not let a destroyed tent stop what the Lord is doing. We are set up and ready to worship. Invite everyone you can. Revival is here. Yep, I knew the persecution complex would come out. I had no doubt. And it didn't even take him that long either. It was nearly immediate. This is Hemant Mehta again. It's amazing how the tornado itself had nothing to do with God in Locke's eyes, but the aftermath is totally in God's control. You just know that if some tornado knocked down a mosque, Locke would call that a sign of God's wrath. At least no one got hurt. It's too bad more people will suffer because Locke's going to continue preaching. Pretty much agreed on that with Hemant Mehta. Here's a, an interesting one, though. You guys know Lauren Witzke. I've talked about her a couple of times. She is an ex-True News employee, basically, an ex-host. So she worked with a guy named Rick Wiles for a long time. Um, I believe she's left the True News program and kind of started her own show now. Well, she had some interesting things to say about the tornado that you know, ripped through Greg Locke's church and all that other stuff. So give this one a listen. This is mid-December 2021. I saw the pictures in the aftermath of the tornado, and it was absolutely devastating. Buildings were leveled. I don't know how much warning they were given. I don't believe they were given a lot. Uh, probably not, because I don't think tornadoes are terribly common in that part of the U.S., right? It's like really hilly through Kentucky and West Virginia. I know that's not exactly where it was, but it's just not terribly common to have tornadoes in that vicinity, I believe. Now, I went to Nebraska recently for a funeral, and we actually had a tornado warning while I was there. It passed us by 
within 20, 30 minutes and we could come out of the shelter. But yeah, it was scary stuff. But I don't know that Kentucky, Tennessee, or the others have the infrastructure in place to warn people about this properly. In Nebraska and some other areas, they have like tornado sirens. Like they set off the sirens and everybody knows, get into a safe shelter where you're safe from this tornado or whatever. I would be surprised if they have that kind of infrastructure in the area. So yeah, she's probably on point right there. Let's keep listening. It was just very sad. You know, it's, I think it was one of the worst tornadoes that they have had probably in decades. I personally believe it's weather modification, that kind of And we're off the rails. Yeah, she believes it was weather modification. Okay, fascinating. There is something to weather modification. It is possible to do. You can like seed clouds to make it rain at certain specific times. I think India is doing that right now intentionally to try to get like through a drought or something like that. But anyways, in the Vietnam War, the U.S. government was actually seeding clouds to extend the monsoon season to prevent troops from moving when they wanted them to. And after that point, I believe it it became against the Geneva Conventions to modify the weather by like extending rain seasons by seeding clouds and stuff. So there is something to the idea of weather modification. But creating tornadoes to rip through towns all willy-nilly, that sounds a little questionable. I uh, My eyebrows are a little raised at that statement. believe it's weather modification, that kind of thing. They're messing with our atmosphere. However, you know. Who is they? Like, it, it just keeps getting more and more unhinged as we go on. It's weather modification perpetrated by some ambiguous they. Who is they that is attacking, and, and what's the motivation? Is it the deep state? Is it the Illuminati? I mean, who's doing it and why? And how? How the fuck would they create a tornado that rips through Kentucky and other areas and destroys countless buildings? How would somebody go about doing something like that? The fact of the matter is 100 people are dead. Sure. One thing I've learned is that Satan, the devil, cannot create anything. He can only pervert what God has created. God created the weather. Yes, he created the atmosphere for us to dwell in. However, man has perverted, found a way to pervert everything. That's why I say weather modification, you know, how they have perverted the institution of marriage. They have perverted the institution or the definition of what life is in the womb. So man perverted the definition of life. That's fascinating because I think man created the definition of life in the first place. So I, I truly believe in weather modification. I believe that this was very evil. Um, I believe the way it came on, the devastation, the death toll, it was not of God, of course not, but I think it was the works of man. I love it how she says, of course it's not the works of God. Like, obviously it's not the works of God. Obviously it has to be the works of Satan. I don't know, man. I don't know. There was a point in time where people genuinely to the bottom of their hearts believed that God was striking the church down with a lightning bolt because he didn't like what they were saying one week. And as we saw earlier, there are people out there right now saying that the AIDS epidemic is a direct result of a, I don't remember the words he used, an evil generation or something like that. If our generation pulled it together and stopped sinning like we do, then AIDS wouldn't exist. It's absolute nonsense from beginning to end. And in a world with the internet, and basically any information we want at our fingertips at any moment, in a world like that, 
we shouldn't have people continuing to deny science and reality so much. It blows my mind that they're still out there. Not only that, they are extremely well-known and famous. Famous people like Greg Locke, like Lauren Witzke, like Rick Scarborough, Pastor Rick Scarborough. These people are not nobodies, and they're out here spreading this message. Romulus Detroit's don't think I'd call the disaster an act of God. If it hit only the church or missed it completely, then I might agree. Also, good to hear from you again. YouTube sucks for notifying me about the show. Yeah, welcome back. Yeah, um, I don't believe in God at all. Um, the idea that it's an act of God is completely ridiculous to me. Um, the idea that God exists at all is ridiculous to me. So I agree with you. It's not an act of God, clearly, but neither is anything else that happens in this world. But from Greg Locke's perspective, he should view it as an act of God, right? Logically speaking, if we're going to have people talking about how the AIDS ep epidemic was an act of God as punishment for a sinful world, then how can they possibly avoid the same logical conclusion for this tornado that ripped right through his church? Honestly, don't get it. There's no logic involved here. The whole idea behind their mindset is... Own the libs. Hurt the other. Hate your enemy. That's what it's all about. Which is weird, because I specifically remember the Bible saying, love your enemy, but who the fuck am I? Just some atheist out here. <sighs> Apparently I know more about the Bible than they do, though. When we come back, we're going to talk about televangelist Joel Osteen getting somebody fired for calling him out. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media. Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about Joel Osteen. Now, as it turns out, he got himself into some interesting controversy recently, along with this guy right here on screen. This guy basically saw Joel Osteen at his restaurant, went outside to get a picture with him, and then punked him, if you will. So let's watch the original clip that goes with it real quick, and then we'll get into a little more explanation for how this came to be and the aftermath to it. Give this a watch. Keep with Joel Osteen. Hey man, you know you're a piece of shit, right? You know, right? Right? Come on, yeah, you know. You know, right? Yeah. Yeah, you know. Take care, folks. He knows. Yeah, so... At its face, I'm not really a fan of this. I don't know if you guys are fully aware of who Joel Osteen is, but he's this mega church pastor that kind of takes advantage of people, makes tens of millions of dollars per year off of these off of this church service that he runs. Uh, he's probably worth hundreds of millions, I'd have to guess, at least. He's worth a lot of fucking money. And the way he came into all of this money is by preaching the prosperity gospel, which is this idea that if you donate to his church, then God will give you that money back tenfold. So you only have $1,000 left in your bank account, give it all to me, and God will give you $10,000 back. That's the idea. It's 
obviously very controversial and it's a very scummy way to run a business to run a church it's effectively taking advantage of people right so the sentiment with this guy i generally share but when he did this early december 2021 there was a lot of controversy over it apparently joel osteen had gone to this restaurant and was fans were coming up and meeting him they saw him there and they went up and shook his hand he was super cordial to all of them really really nice you know signing things chit-chatting with them just being friendly and then this guy went up to him outside he was an employee of the restaurant i guess after his shift ended he went outside as he saw Joel Osteen leaving, and then he said, you know, you're a piece of shit, right? This doesn't help us. Guy is a piece of shit. He is. The guy has done some really awful things, but this only fuels the persecution complex, in my opinion. Should the guy be fired for it? No. Should he be called out? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to sit here and say I don't think he should have done it, even though I agree with him completely. But I don't think he should have been fired for it. But as it turns out, listen to this next clip. Again, early December 2021, not long after that happened. Everyone, uh, thank you so much for all the support on the video. I did not expect it to blow up this much. And with all that attention, I got fired this morning. So if anyone wants to buy me that beer, now would be a great time. Yeah, so calling out uh, for a GoFundMe, I'm sure he had going on. I'm not sure what it is or where it is or whatever else. But basically, his employer fired him. So this is mid-December 2021, not long after he announced that he was fired. And he came back on TikTok and he had more to say about the situation. Give this clip a listen. So here's the story time behind the you're a piece of shit video. I worked at a restaurant in SoCal and I saw him come in one night. I did a double take when I saw him because I didn't really believe that that was, that was Joel Olstein in my restaurant. And I was kind of eyeing him up and down, but I quickly realized that it was him because a ton of people kept asking him for autographs and wanted to take selfies with him, which confused the hell out of me because why would anyone want to take a picture or you know, get an autograph from a monster like that. And when he left, I just walked up to him. And I think he thought that I was one of the fans because he was very happy to see me, wanted to, you know, take a picture and was thrilled to, to do stuff like that. Quickly realized that I was not a fan. I made the video the way I made it. It was kind of in the moment, so there wasn't a lot of thought behind it. I just wanted to tell him what was personally on my mind. Uh, let me just pause it there for a second. Like I said, um... I don't believe that this is the best way to go about doing our activism. I absolutely want to find a way to diminish the power that Joel Osteen's church has. I believe that he's a destructive force in society. Not only is he an evangelical extremist Christian for all intents and purposes, not only is he fleecing people for everything that they own, but in addition to all of that, he's also kind of a proponent of a very wooey version of Christianity, where it's kind of like the law of attraction stuff, like if you believe in good things, or if you believe that you'll have good things and you will have good things, you know, that kind of thing. It's, it's almost like a teal swan type of philosophy or new agey type of philosophy. He brands himself as a self-help guru almost. And I think that is also extremely harmful in addition to all of the other stuff. He's a destructive force in society without a doubt. But doing stuff like that, I, I think it kind of feeds into 
the persecution complex of the Christians that love him, which don't get, you know, there are a lot. There are a lot of Christians that love him. He is massively famous, massively rich. Anyway, let's keep listening. A couple weeks later, I posted the video and I think within the first like six or seven hours, it had like a hundred thousand views, which I thought was incredible. That's mind-blowingly good. Holy shit is that good. That's crazy numbers. Within six or seven hours gets a hundred thousand views. That's fucking nutty right there. It was incredible. And then I got a call from my girlfriend stating that it hit like a million views, which blew my mind and kind of made me nervous. And then the next day I went to work after I posted the video, uh, I got fired because Joel Olstein and his team harassed the restaurant and made sure that I was terminated. Guys, I loved where I worked. I have no personal quarrel with them. I loved it. And it's not their fault that I got fired. It really isn't. If you want to cancel something, it's definitely Joel Olstein. There's the story if you were curious. I wanted to read this Friendly Atheist article about the situation, though, by Hemant Mehta. Uh, this, the title is A Viral Video of a Guy Telling Off Pastor Joel Osteen Could Easily Backfire. This is the original before he got fired or any of that other stuff. Let's give this a read. A day after a TikTok user posted this 16-second video, it already has hundreds of thousands of likes. In it, a man named Nick, who appears to have stumbled across Pastor Joel Osteen out in the wild, gets him on camera long enough to say to him, Hey man, you know you're a piece of shit, right? Osteen laughs and walks away without saying anything. He knows he fell into a trap. Meanwhile, Nick glances back at the camera and says he knows. The comment thread is mostly predictable. People are thrilled to see someone tell off to Osteen, who rarely appears on camera outside his Christian bubble, or in fawning interviews. There's a cheap gratification in seeing someone telling Osteen publicly what plenty of people have thought privately. I'll admit I was amused the first time I saw it. After all, it was just this week we learned a plumber found envelopes full of cash hidden inside the walls of Osteen's Lakewood Church in Texas. Yeah, I talked about that on my main channel recently, I think. It gets worse. Last year, when the pandemic began, the church received nearly $4.5 million in PPP loans to pay for employees' salaries. It was only after public pressure that the church said it was finally paying back the loans. And of course, in 2017, Osteen was blasted for not opening his megachurch slash former basketball arena to people trying to get away from Hurricane Harvey. He offered some reasonable excuses at first, I thought, but those turned out to be pretty flimsy. That said, the video just rubs me the wrong way because it seems so pointless. Great, you told him he sucks. Now what? If anything, I worry that it might generate sympathy for Osteen because it looks like he stopped whatever he was doing to take a quick video with someone he probably assumed was a fan, which is a nice gesture, only to have it used against him. The last thing Osteen needs is public sympathy. I absolutely agree with Hemant Mehta on this point. And guess what happened? He got it. He got his public sympathy. It worked. That is exactly how it played out how Hemant Mehta described. A few days, I think five days after that article came out on The Friendly Atheist, a second article came out titled, Joel Osteen Got Me Fired, Says the Man Who Mocked the Pastor in a Viral Video. Again, written by Hemant Mehta on The Friendly Atheist website. Let's give it a read. This is Hemant Mehta speaking. I didn't think the video worked as intended. It made Osteen look like a victim, which he's not, while Nick came across as the asshole who confronted a celebrity 
only to toss out a substance-free bit of name-calling. Maybe I wasn't alone in thinking that, because the day after the video began circulating online, Nick was fired. The first video was taken at the restaurant Nick worked at, which would explain both how he ran into Osteen in the first place, and why he might have been sacked after mocking a customer while on the clock. Oh, that was probably a bad idea. In a comment under that video, he added, It wasn't my employer's fault. Some outside forces came into play, if you know what I mean. In a video I posted last night, Nick clarified that comment in much more detail, and that's the video that we watched just a minute ago, about him explaining how he came to be at the restaurant and see Joel Osteen in the first place. This is back to him at Meta speaking. He said he was bothered at how many people in the restaurant were asking Osteen for his autograph, because the pastor has done and believes some deeply disturbing things, which is all true. So during a break, Nick approached Osteen as he was leaving the restaurant, Osteen must have assumed he was another fan, only to realize that wasn't the case at all. After the video was posted a couple weeks later, after it began spreading online, Joel Osteen and his team harassed a restaurant and made sure that it was terminated. That's a quote from the video we just watched. One of the reasons Nick posted that video is because he didn't want people boycotting his old restaurant. He loved working there, and they didn't have any choice in the matter. The problem, as always, is Joel Osteen. You would think a wealthy preacher who rarely ventures outside his bubble would have thicker skin. Of course not. If he doesn't venture outside his bubble very much, extremely rarely, it seems to me that he is going to have some of the thinnest skin on planet, on planet Earth. You think Donald Trump faced much criticism basically his entire life? He was surrounded by people who agreed with him all the time, 24-7. There's almost no pushback on the guy until he ran for president, until he took the presidency. Then he started facing backlash and pushback and people criticizing his words, and he felt like the most wounded, persecuted person alive, Donald Trump did, after he took the presidency. It was ridiculous. Like, you're one of the most privileged people alive. You live in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. You are one of the wealthiest people in one of the wealthiest countries in the world. You are in the most powerful position in government in this country. How can you possibly think you're persecuted? He lived in a bubble his whole life, which gave him the thinnest skin of anybody around. And the moment people start criticizing him, he can't take it. He loses his shit. I expected Joel Osteen to have thin skin. I expect Kenneth Copeland has it too. Probably all of them do, because they don't step outside their bubbles. Let's keep reading. I should add that this is only one side of the story. It's not like Osteen is confirming any of this, but if the story checks out, it would certainly justify the initial video. Osteen could always make up for it by donating some of that cash found in his church walls to a decent charity. Of course, he's not going to do that, because he believes that his church is the best charity, and his church deserves all the money, and so on and so forth. His church is effectively recognized as a charity within the U.S. government. I mean, it's a 501c3 nonprofit organization, the same as charities. So if that money goes anywhere other than his pocket, it'll probably go into the church. In fact, I'd be surprised if it went anywhere else. The money that was found, the $600,000, like I said, I talked about that on another video, but they basically found six hundred grand in the walls of the church, hidden in the walls of the church. About seven years after $600,000 mysteriously went missing from the church safe. Weird, right? That money 
basically is the church's money. It's not Joel Osteen's money. It's not any employee's money or whatever. It's the church's. So that's certainly where it'll go. We can't expect Joel Osteen to do something that would actually benefit society. He's hyper-focused on his church, which, in my opinion, is nothing but a detriment to society. When we come back, we're going to talk about Pastor Shane Vaughn officially picking out the Antichrist. Spoiler alert, it's COVID-19. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Shane Vaughn. This is him on screen. He claims to have come up with the Antichrist. He had some real interesting stuff to say recently. I'll give you a spoiler. He believes the precursor to the Antichrist is COVID-19, and he has some really weird justifications for that belief. But before we watch the clip of him explaining his reasoning for believing that COVID-19 is like the precursor to the Antichrist, I wanted to catch you guys up on who he is. So a while back, I think August or September, somewhere in there, he released a video about Donald Trump. The guy is obsessed with Donald Trump. And for some reason, he had himself in a little corner over here, just this tiny little corner. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> when this when this clip comes out, I'm going to be in a tiny little corner up here. So I had to blow it up, and it's going to get really grainy. But the, the audio is the important part. So let's listen to him talking about Donald Trump, who just put out a brand new media post at the time. This was after Trump got banned from Twitter and Facebook and stuff, and his followers were trying to find some kind of a workaround for it. So... Give this a listen. We need 100,000 patriots to become reporters for Donald Trump. Get his words out there since they wanted to be so smart that they wound up being stupid because they made the same mistake that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'm sorry it's so grainy here. Like I said, I blew it up so that he filled the screen, but he was really, really tiny in the corner. So anyways, yeah, as far as I remember... Satan didn't kill Jesus Christ, did he? Uh, that's kind of a weird way to go for a pastor. Shouldn't a pastor know something that pivotal in his own theology? That's kind of fucking weird, right? They made the same mistake that Satan made when he killed Jesus Christ. And what's even weirder about this is the comparison between Trump and Jesus. This guy makes a habit of comparing the Messiah, Jesus Christ, to Donald Trump. Why do people make that comparison so often? Seriously, I feel a real case could be made that Donald Trump's the Antichrist. And I even talked about that on my main channel in a video not that long ago. There is a real case to be made that Trump's the Antichrist, if I believed in God or the Antichrist or any of that, which I don't. But if I did, there's a real case for it. For one thing, they're treating him like a new messiah. He's a politician. And... He had a golden fucking statue built of himself. A golden statue. How much more on the nose can it get? 
Really. I'm getting carried away. This isn't about a golden statue. It's about Shane Vaughn. Let's keep listening. By killing that one man and killing his voice, he created a world full of little Christians that echo the message of Christ. See? Stupid on the devil's part. The Bible says, had Satan known what was going to happen, he would never have crucified Jesus Christ. I find it so interesting that basically the argument he's making here is that deplatforming never ever works. He's saying, effectively, Jesus Christ was deplatformed by being killed, and Donald Trump was deplatformed by just being removed from a social media network for inciting violence. And by doing those things, by deplatforming those two people, he only made their voices louder. That's not how it works, man. If deplatforming always made people's voices louder, then people wouldn't be freaking out about it so much. That's really the key here. The level of fear and anger and outrage that they have over the fact that people are deplatformed from time to time is a direct correlation to its effectiveness. You can tell how effective deplatforming is, because if it only helped people, if it only turned them into like Jesus-like figures, they would be asking to be deplatformed. They'd be begging for it. Deplatforming does work, for better or worse, whether you think we should be deplatforming or not, which, you know, I'm not making any claims about. Like, there are some cases in which I think deplatforming goes too far, and other cases in which maybe we don't deplatform people who should be. But my point is that deplatforming does, in fact, work. If it didn't, they wouldn't be losing their shit over it. But that argument goes completely out the window when he's talking about this. He, f he totally forgets that deplatforming actually works and seems to believe that it's in everyone's best interest if they deplatform Donald Trump. Jesus Christ. Because what he did was he started a harvest of Christians that echo the message. He only had one man to deal with. Now he's got a whole population full of us. Same thing they're doing with Trump. Let them crucify him. But we're now the echo, and we're going to put it on every page, every Twitter account, everything we got. Now, because the oversight board didn't rule that we couldn't share Trump content. Is it weird to anybody else that, that he just compared Trump to Jesus again? Same with Trump. They crucified him. He only had one man to deal with. Now he's got a whole population full of us. Same thing they're doing with Trump. Isn't that fucking weird? What the fuck is going on right now? This guy seems to be worshipping Donald Trump. I, I, I'm not using hyperbole here. I mean... He appears to be worshiping him and leveling him up against Jesus, kind of squaring him up against him and comparing the two. What the fuck is going on right now? It's allowed on Facebook for now anyway. So take advantage of it while we can. I'm ordaining all of you right now as evangelists of the Trump revival. So that's Shane Vaughn, if you were wondering. He's actually been charged with some pretty serious offenses, um, insurance fraud related. I covered them on another video I did about him. Not going to get into it right now, but yeah, he's been through the system. He's had his mugshot taken and all of that other stuff. If that wasn't enough to scream scam artist, then I don't know what is. Anyways, this clip that I wanted to watch, this came out mid-December 2021. In this one, I believe he's talking about masks. 
So let's give it a listen. Until you get that faith, you're not on the same page as God. And therefore, COVID-19 is never leaving this earth. It is waiting on a church to come out of their isolation and to stand in faith and declare enough is enough. I'm sorry, what? I'm having trouble understanding, actually. So COVID-19 is waiting for a church to come out of isolation and say enough is enough? Yeah, okay, I can see that. Um, when a church comes out of isolation and starts holding church services again, which his is, right? That's when COVID-19 strikes, obviously, because that's how pandemics work. It takes advantage, uh, I shouldn't be using language that implies it's sentient when it's not, but it takes advantage of the fact that people are rubbing shoulders or in close proximity to each other and not wearing masks. That's how it works. That's how pandemics work. It's how it's worked since the dawn of fucking time. There's nothing spiritual or supernatural to that. I'm really not sure what he's implying here. Do you know why Satan hates when you won't put a mask on your face? Because you're screaming loud. I have no fear. That is some weird shit. Actually, Greg Locke said something really similar recently. Um, he straight up banned masks from being in his church or on his property. You are not allowed to wear masks on his property because they don't want you to live in fear. They, they don't live in fear and they refuse to let anybody on their campus or whatever that lives in fear. I saw a Twitter post not long ago in response to that thing that Greg Locke posted about not wearing masks because they don't want to live in fear. The tweet, I don't, I don't know who sent the tweet, but it basically said, does that mean you're not going to bring guns to church either? I mean, you're not living in fear, right? There's no reason to have guns if you don't live in fear. When you realize that their whole bit isn't based on principle. It's all based on owning the libs, hurting the other, and us versus them mentality. Every decision they make from that point forward makes sense. They don't have principles. They, it's not about not living in fear for these people. They do not care. What they care about is owning the libs. If they really cared about not living in fear, they would get rid of every gun that they own. It doesn't matter. It's not about that. It's not about principle. It's about owning the libs. It's about hating the other. That's it. When you've got a mask up church trying to lay hands on somebody for healing, you've walked into the biggest lie you've ever seen. Don't you ever wear one in this building? Don't you ever come here and bring your fear in the midst of our faith? We are a victorious church. We are a healed church. We walk in healing no matter what. He's getting all worked up. He's going into, uh, what would you call it, Pentecostal mode, I guess. He's trying to get people revved up like Pentecostal preachers tend to do. But notice, once again, he calls it back to not living in fear and outright bans masks from the church building or from church property. Not just saying we don't want to wear masks, but you're not allowed to wear a mask either. To own the libs, to hurt the other where in reality, the only people they're hurting are themselves. They're really not hurting me very much. I don't even live in the area. I really don't give a shit, aside from the fact that people in this church are at higher risk 
of dying because of the the words that are coming out of this guy's mouth right now. That's fucking sad to me. I don't want anybody to die. I don't want anybody dead. I don't wish death on anybody. But this guy is determined to make it happen to his own congregation. Let's keep listening. God said, I want you to lift your voice and call my people around the world to come out of hiding, to come out of fear, and to get on the same page as me. And COVID-19 will leave this earth from the power of the church. Well, there's another clip from this same sermon. Again, this is mid-December 2021. Give this one a listen and see what he has to say. How many knows Yahshua cannot return till Elijah comes? Yeshua. So he's talking about Jesus, basically. Yeshua was Jesus' name in the Bible. That's who he's talking about. He's saying Jesus can't come back until Elijah comes. I'm not actually familiar with this specific doctrine. Is this like a traditional Christian doctrine, or is this a, or is this specific to his like sect? of Christianity. I'm not sure. How many knows Yahshua cannot return till Elijah comes? You're going to miss this if you don't follow this close. I'm listening, buddy. I'm here. I'm here for it. Lay it on me. God spoke to me yesterday in my office and said, just as the spirit of Elijah must come before Christ comes, the spirit of the Antichrist must come before the Antichrist come. Wow, that's super interesting. So uh, let me just pause there for a second. We're getting on to something really important here. So he's saying just as the spirit of Elijah has to come before Jesus comes, the spirit of the Antichrist has to come before the Antichrist comes. That's really, really weird. I, I, I've never heard that doctrine. I have no idea what he's talking about. This is like news to me. I think he's just pulling things right out of his ass right now. I, none of this seems to be biblically based. We could probably tell that by the fact that he said God was talking to him in his office a minute ago. I mean, it should be pretty obvious to everybody that he's pulling this out of his ass when he starts the sentence like that. Let's keep listening. Christ comes. The spirit of the Antichrist must come before the Antichrist come. And COVID-19 is the spirit of the Antichrist. That's really weird because for one thing, COVID-19 isn't a spirit at all. It's not an entity or whatever the hell you want to call it. It's a physical object that moves from person to person, a virus, a real tangible, uh, arguably living thing that you can see under a microscope. How is it that COVID-19 is the spirit of anything? Additionally, it doesn't have a brain. It doesn't have thoughts that come with it. It doesn't premeditate. It doesn't plan. Isn't the Antichrist like a premeditating, planning creature that like comes in and wrecks stuff that it touches or whatever? How could... COVID-19 possibly be the spirit of the Antichrist. To Christ come, and COVID-19 is the spirit of the Antichrist. God spoke to me and said, COVID-19 is the spirit, not the Antichrist. It is the forerunner of the Antichrist. What does that even mean? Seriously, I'm struggling to understand here. I really want to get it. I really want to connect here, but... 
even the theology, the doctrine is not adding up. It's not making any sense to me at all. I didn't understand what he meant, but he said, just like I send Elijah to test the people before I return, I've sent COVID-19 to test the people for the Antichrist. Why would God be testing people? people for the Antichrist? Why would he send the spirit of the Antichrist? I was under the impression that the Antichrist was going to come in and Satan was going to come in behind it and the Antichrist is somehow related to Satan and Satan was going to fight a war against God and interestingly enough the war isn't even guaranteed to go in God's favor but people just kind of ignore that shit. What is God doing sending the spirit of the Antichrist to humanity? It's like they're alleging that God is sending an enemy behind enemy lines. What is happening here? This is fucking bizarre. This guy is just making up doctrine on the spot with nothing to back it up. All he's saying is, God told me this when he was in my office the other day, and I believe it, and you should believe it too because I said so. That is an unhealthy, dangerous mindset to be in. Uh, let's see. Narvardia, fear is an evolutionary response to danger. Fear is a good thing. You should be afraid of something that could kill you. Yeah, absolutely. They're totally okay with fearing some things. It's just this one very specific thing that they don't want to fear. They fear participation trophies. They fear women in the workplace. They fear all kinds of shit. They fear equality with every race, gender, and creed. Um, those fears are deep-seated and hard to get rid of. But no, you know, they don't fear anything. No fear. Not, not from them. It's ridiculous. Thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, Issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.